So you go live on Facebook every Monday. Every Monday. At 11.30 usually. So I do have something called Motivational Mondays. Oh, hi. Talking to the microphone. So uh, it's called Motivational Mondays. I have a company called Promotional Rescue. uh, And every Monday I give people tips on how to better promote themselves. Um, So let me just show you how it looks on mine. So when I go to post... See, when I go to post, when you're inside the app, it says photo, video, live video. Yeah. So if you press live video, then you can go live uh, like that. Okay. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll make the necessary adjustments with I think next... you need to. I think you need to get the app, not log in through yeah. the website. I'll go to the one-to-one over at the Apple and have them get me squared away. Yeah. Wow. So, um, yeah, so I go live every Monday, and I usually do, um, you know, about five to ten minutes about what's going on so the last one that i did was specifically on how to deal with trolls how to um, deal with with trolls internet trolls oh um not the people that live under the bridge or the very small dolls with the large hair yeah um and the jewel belly button Interesting. yeah um because because and what i stated was that i've seen a huge spike in trolling uh in the since the president-elect has become the president-elect. Uh, there's been a spike in trolling. Yes. What's What's been the most gnarly troll? Well, I got into? trolled, which is something that like, and so anyway, I, in, in working with my clients, I've always been very kind of laissez-faire about their fears. So my company is called Promotional Rescue, okay. and I deal with people who have a hard time promoting themselves. Is this going to be on the podcast? It doesn't have to, but it can. Okay. I'd love it if it was, but okay. Oh, yeah. It, we're rolling right now, okay. right, Maggie? Um, yeah. So... Anyway, so I deal with people who have a hard time promoting themselves, specifically. Um, people who have fear about it, or they don't understand, or or they're up against like the wall, and they like have to start promoting themselves because something great has happened, or mm-hmm. they're releasing something, and they just need help, and they don't know what to do. So I come in, and I teach them how to do it. So it, usually people, the reason why people have a hard time promoting is there's something emotionally going on. Self-promotion usually triggers something inside of people. So I, I'm so a person has an idea, a concept, a project, and they're really they're really passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And it's not just the the minutia of the business, right? <laughs> Sorry, give me a minute. It's hard to say. I'm awesome. Look at this cool thing I did. It is really hard. It's emotional. However, it is very emotional. I'm doing a comedy thing here. You're it's doing not, great. It's being ignored. You're doing great. <laughs> I just tried to go into a comedy emotional thing. Um, no, we I'm got on a, it. I'm well, on because, one because most I'm on people... One. <laughs> the tears are on the sweater. Because most people are not... Aren't usual, don't usually... It, these are like indie artists. So say you want to have your own podcast, but... Mm-hmm. You know, do you have a social media following? You know, like, do you have something so that people will hear it? So you have to build that audience. So mm-hmm. you're not just creating something in the dark corner of the Internet. What's the first step everyone should take if they if their goal is to get eyes and ears onto their they need to media have project clarity about their image mm-hmm. Or their brand, which I don't I don't like to use that word a lot with artists. Mm-hmm. But you have to figure out like who you are. What is the message that you're trying to send to people? Okay. So the first thing that you do is you write a bio about what you're what you who you are. You write mm-hmm. a description specifically about what you're doing. You ha- choose photos around that. You come up with a small bio tagline, which is 160 characters that just completely describes who and what you are and what you're doing. Why? Because a person who doesn't know who you are. And they want to get to know like why tunes like what is it? 
Oh, it's a well, that's weekly what we're podcast. trying to figure out right, right now is what what is Y Tunes? Y Tunes is a weekly podcast where you know uh, these two people sit down with you know interesting folk and talk about their five most influential songs. Boom. Are you taking notes? <laughs> no, I was I was just making sure that my microphone was on. So. Um, <laughs> And if you want any more about promotional rescue, it'll be nine ninety nine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't so, want nine hundred and ninety nine. If you were a doctor, I'd have you be examining my elbow. Yeah, you're like, right it hurts when hurts I do this. Like yeah. Yeah. yeah, don't do that. So, uh, so yeah, so you know, branding yourself is the very mm-hmm. first thing to do. What a lot of people, the mistakes that people make is they just put something out there, blah, and then they're totally like, oh wait, this is getting no traction. No one's listening. No one's seeing it. Why, right? So first, you figure out what your image is. Mm-hmm. You build your social media audience. You do outreach around that. And then you usually have some sort of like live event around it. So see, that's what I was thinking with mm-hmm. Y Tunes is that we do this live, maybe at the Clown House. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, a live event. Sure. You know, or you know, you have a launch party, or you have a listening party, or you have a you do it, and then you ha- you have a dance party, like whatever it is. We'll have an envelope for you in I'm about ex- three months. Yeah, when I'm this ready. Thing goes, I'm ready to rock know, and versatile. roll. Versatile. I, I mean, viral. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Now, so, could you go back a little bit to the trolling thing? Your your whole consulting, uh, media consulting, branding thing is uh-huh, awesome, uh-huh. but I'm still a little bit okay. So on the, the reason, trolling, right? So I intentionally dropped that line. I'm still a little bit on the trolling. Yeah, yeah. Confused was supposed to go into that gap. So when <laughs> what I found is that the reason people have res- reservations about promoting themselves reservations because they are afraid of being judged, people don't feel good enough and they're afraid to put their stuff out there. They're afraid to share what's going on with them. Why right? do you think that is? Um because putting yourself out there is scary, which and there's there's kind of like a hidden thing, which is, you know, fear of success, um, you know, a, a commitment to perfection. Oh, it's got to be perfect before I put it out. Um, people just have fears about putting themselves out. And they're also afraid of being attacked, of being But trolled. I mean, societal yeah. wise, I mean, you're a mom. Mm-hmm. And and I you have how many kids? I only have one, Harrison. Oh. He's 11. Harrison is 11. Mm-hmm. I know he's sweet. I mean, what is it about society that has... I, I'm very insecure. Yeah. And, and, and I, I am always sort of consciously and unconsciously trying to avoid uh, conflict and, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, ad- self-advocacy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I suffer from those insecurities mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and my parents, I know that it's mostly their fault, but there's got to be something else that has contributed to it. What do you see that is sort of contributing to this reality? I mostly see that people are afraid of just being judged of someone saying that this is no good. It's like, but then they don't promote, so then it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Ah. So what I noticed was that, so I worked at a record label, and what I know, and then I then transitioned into starting my own company. Uh, and what I noticed was that a lot of my artist friends, indie artists, whether they're writers or small business owners or filmmakers or actors or comedians or whatever, that they didn't have a bad product. They just promoted bad. So they started to think that their product was bad, right? Like they started to think that their comedy was bad or their movie was bad or whatever it is because they weren't promoting themselves. People weren't coming out to see it. They weren't growing their numbers on their social media. So they started to think that they were bad. And I'm like, the Mm. truth of the matter is like, you're fine and you're going to grow as an artist, but unless you're doing the promotion component of it, you're not going to get to where you need to be. And promotion is literally like 
80 percent of the deal because there are people that are not talented not good who are killing it out there and then i see a lot of people who are wildly talented Mm. terrible promoters going nowhere Interesting. Doing nothing. Wow. So I'm trying to get everybody in the middle, right? I'm trying to get my older clients who don't see or understand the value of social media or see or understand the value of like self promotion mm-hmm. and but who are fucking killing it at what they do. They have an incredible body of work. They've worked with some of the most incredible people in the fucking world. They're just terrible promoters. Then I got my youngins who are promoting like crazy, but still undeveloped, don't have their voice yet. And I'm totally trying to get everybody in the middle. I'm trying to be like, work on your craft, but be a better promoter so that the two can can come together and you can get better results at what you do. Wow. Uh, so, <laughs> Melanie Bessie, right? The filmmaker, comedian, actress, and <laughs> business owner who... Teaches people how to be better at themselves. <laughs> Media be consultant. I mean, yeah, it's, it's really it's, you what's are. the name of it again? It's called promotional rescue. And it's you're almost like a manager, but you're a freelance. Exactly, yeah. and yeah. I do manage people, and I have managed people. So essentially, like instead of me going, "Hey, uh, why don't I rip you off of some money, or why don't I get ten percent of your income, or twenty percent of your income from here on out?" It's like, here, here's a flat fee. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell you exactly what you're doing wrong. I'm going to. And but oh, here's okay. the thing. Oh, that's a weird sentence. But, no, it's not. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's like I audit you, and I go, "Look, I get that boom, every boom, night. and boom." Right. So first, what the first thing <laughs> I do is misses. I audit you, and I say, "This is where you're coming up short." Right. And I, I get also that listen too. to your goals. I'm sorry. <laughs> I also listen to your goals because someone who wants to be Lady Gaga is different than a person that wants to be Jack White. They're different. It's different promotion. It's a different way of doing things. However, promotion is always the same. Mm-hmm. How do you become Maggie Mayfield? Uh, well, I mean, you have to <laughs> you have to dive deep and like, what are your goals? And how do you want to earn? And I'm yeah. really, I, that's really something that's important to me as well. Because I find that there are people who are just kind of like, just putting stuff out there for free and for free and for free. And I'm like, honey, I, mm-hmm. by the time you're 35 and you're still broke, like we have to figure out how are you going to earn? Mm-hmm. How can you make this a, like, and more of a like a business, like putting more money into the machine mm-hmm. so you stay solvent, so you stay earning, but doing what you love, right? Like yeah. your workshop, right? Isn't like tr- Isn't that the trick, right? Mm. So, and st- because what I, this, this is why I see people failing at what they do. They're working as a waiter, a cater waiter, or they're fucking driving for Uber or whatever it is, and they're killing <laughs> themselves. And it's like, how can you earn? How can you take your talent, like as a voiceover person or a singer or a dancer or a writer or actor or whatever it is, or a stand-up comedian or, or you know, whatever it is. Is, mm-hmm. How can you earn around that, right? So that you stay feeling good about it. Because if you're not feeling good, you are not going to promote yourself. True. That. If you mm. feel like shit because you're fucking waiting tables somewhere, if you feel like shit because you're driving other famous people fucking around to their auditions, you are not going to tell the world about what you're doing. So I really feel like it's really I important. I need you. Everybody oh, does. No, I does. need you. Everybody does. What I'm, I'm, I've learned it, is that Melanie is very passionate about this. I'm really, oh really, really uh, passionate yeah. about it. Uh, Your eyes are huge. We need I'm you really, in the world. I'm really passionate about it because I've had so many hits in my own career that have been both of my own doing, but a lot from like outside sources that I wasn't planning on. And we'll talk about that as well, also too, as the podcast progress. 
But I also know too that I, because I, I've been, I've been an artist. I've been dancing since I was five years old, and I danced, you know, Proven. in this. Oh, I'll show Wait, you. Where did you start? <laughs> what was the name of the dancing institution you were first? Dolly Dibley. Uh, Dolly Dibley. Yeah, where it was, was Dolly in Michigan. Dibley? Who knows what podunk sitch it was? But <laughs> Michigan. Well, here's the thing. At at four years old, I saw my reflection in the glass fireplace doors in my grandparents house and I had I had a moment where I was like I saw myself it's probably a narcissistic move uh, but I saw myself and I turned to my mm-hmm. mom uh, oh no no and I also saw Pinky Tuscadero Pinky Tuscadero on Happy Days yes and I turned to my mom and I said I want to be a dancer I knew that what I wanted to do was be seen and I wanted to do whatever and, I, and for me it first manifested into dancing wow. what's your favorite kind of dance uh, I'm a ballerina at heart. Okay. However, I was always pushed into modern dance uh, because I did not have the super skinny body type. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I am a ballerina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The hair in a bun, the point shoes, the fucking tutus. I love it. Um, yeah. I love structure of ballet. The fact that there's no deviation. This is a tendu. This is a you know. This is you know like Pyramid, arabesque. Yes. Yeah. Yes. There, there. In modern dance, it's like here's this scarf, and then move your thumb, and then like I'm like nah. Like I just I want to do exactly what you tell me to do, <laughs> and that's the thing I thought. And you know it'll be beautiful. And that yeah. also comes back to my my business too. Like I love instruction. I love to be told what to do, and I will do it. But I'm also punk rock too at the same time, right? Somebody's... You're like, I see your rules, but fuck your rules. Yeah, yeah. but I, but essentially, like, I want to see what the rules are and I want to break them at the same time. Yes. Like, I'm, but you have to know what the rules are in order to break them. You can't just be like a wild animal, mm-hmm. which is the name of my one-hour comedy special. Uh, <sighs> and so <laughs> that I'm currently working on hashtag wild animal. Um, so anyway, so I got into dance and I would go to New York City in the summers and dance with uh, Alvin Ailey School and then. Uh, I then progressed, and then I moved to New York City, uh, and then I went to the Interlock and Arts Academy, uh, which is in upstate Michigan, and then I went to Juilliard uh, as a dancer. So nice. super fancy. Wow. So let's dive in, shall let's, we? Let's dive. The, 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 we've got a lot of foundation. I know. We've already got like 20 minutes worth of stuff. Not That's at all. not even no. my song. We're at seven <laughs> minutes. Yeah. yeah. So, Dancers, um, every, so this is, go ahead. You, this is your part. This is my part? Yes. This is Y-Tune Shuffle, the official Y-Tune selection. Uh, we have Melanie Vesey with us, uh, actress, comedian, uh, media consultant. Uh, and uh, the rules here are that there are no rules other than just bring in your music, mm. hit play, and talk about what, what, what and why, especially mm. why that tune is on your shuffle. Mm. Um, so if you would, just pull out your... Um, so yes, I've made my Y tunes uh, playlist, okay. which and I'm super excited. And crank up the volume initially, about. but then uh, you can sort of fade it down after we hear a few bars of it. We don't know what's coming up. Maggie and I have no idea what this, this song is, is going to be. This is the best. I know. Why am I so happy today? I don't know. You snapped at me earlier. What did I do? Oh no, I was kidding. You're not. I forget. <laughs> girls, we girls. barely oh, know God. each other. We still barely know each other. <laughs> yeah, we've been. We've we've no, we've driven like, into this. I feel like no, I don't feel like that at all. No, I, you don't? Okay, good. I'm insecure. I drive Uber. Oh, I'm about to drive Uber. Are you? Did I tell you I, I sold my car to the city to pay off my parking tickets? Good for you. Thank you. Why, 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 so why? I'm looking to lease a car through Uber. 
<laughs> I'm doing it now. I know. <laughs> yeah, but we're, Melanie is going to help us get out of the Uber and get Uber successful. Well, oh, I'm here for you. I am here for you both. I made... And, you know, I support you no matter what you do. And here's the thing. You have to keep earning. Like, you have to keep moving forward, and things are going to work out. Mm-hmm. They always do. They always do. And believe me, there's been times where it's like, shit. You know what I mean? Like, it's tough in this town. It is really tough in this town. I believe that LA is designed to spit you out. I feel like, but here's the thing. I also feel like, and I'm not to get too crunchy here. I feel like in the way that New York is like, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I had such a great experience in New York and I feel like LA has grown me like spiritually. Like, I feel like you have to get right with God in this town. Yeah. Or you're not going to make it. And I don't mean to be like crunchy, like you got to find Jesus. Like that's not my jam. I mean, like you got to get right with like the big plan about like who you are in this world and who you are inside yourself, because it will push you to the limits of that understanding of what you thought was going to happen, what you think is going to happen, what you expected to happen and how you can still stay okay in it in the long run as a lifer, as an artist. Sure. Hmm. This town is no joke. Well, in New York, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Yeah, but I feel like there's something different about New York. And I feel like I was able to hustle in New York with a lot less. And here it's like... You got to have cars and the out like like I feel like what it did to me was that it really brought this expectation of the outside stuff. In L.A., if you can make it in L.A., you can move to Montana on a beautiful (laughs) ranch and live somewhere else. Because I feel like here, I feel like here, like even though because I feel like in New York, everybody's on the subway, whether you're an Oscar winner, you're sitting next to Meryl Streep or you're you're a bag lady. Everybody's on the train. Mm. In in L or everybody's on the street like and when you're in a restaurant like you're there with everybody like here I feel like it's so segregated between the haves and the have-nots mm. and if you feel like you should have and you're a have-not at that moment for that day it feels really bad like you can't just be like you're on an equal playing field with other people you're more than a have-not you're a you're a you're, you're gosh I can't even think of the than the word. It's really, because yeah, I like, feel like there's this kind of like red rope, like we're over here and you're over there and it's just out of reach. That's a really nice mansion you it's have. It's just out God. of reach, which is why I, I mean, I, I mean, you've seen my, my comedy bit, Maggie. Like yeah. I talk specifically about it. You know what I mean? About that my son goes to this very affluent school and that I pull up to these $6 million homes for play dates and yeah. you know what I mean? And I'm, that's not my experience today and you know how challenging that is right. you a know? lot of times though my wealthy friends they have a lot of like you know fairly expensive knickknacks lying of around course. they've completely forgotten about them yeah. I mean they they don't miss them yeah pocket a few of them yeah sure sure I mean yeah I get it that's one way that's, that's one way to earn my jokes that's that one way just really to didn't do go it. anywhere <laughs> This is about music, not about comedy. I always find that it's really challenging for me when I'm talking to somebody who's telling me what a hard time they're having. This literally happened to me. What a hard time their family was having while they were leaning on their grand piano. I was like, tell me again about how hard it is for you. And you're leaning on a fucking Steinway. Like, fuck off. I'll fucking cut you. You know what I mean? Like, are you really? Things are foyer? Hard. Right outside the foyer. Yeah. Oh right, gosh, so here comes here here comes song. Melanie's first Y tune shuffle. Bum, 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 okay, bum, so bum. I'm just gonna go into shuffle all and I turned this up. Okay. So Yet our best trained, best educated, best equipped, best prepared troops refuse to fight. Matter of fact, it's safe to say 
that they would rather switch than fight. Wow. I, I, I feel like... This is some fun. Wow. And I, I'm, we're, we're seeing Melanie getting into this. Started out with lip syncing along with it, and now she's moving it. I'm feeling it. Talk about it. What, what are we this? listening yeah, to? Who is this? this is... Do I talk over the music? Yeah, you yeah, can you bring can it down, bring a, little down a little bit. bit. It's nice to... Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this is Fight the Power by Public Enemy. Um... This song means so much to me. Why? Um, Where did it come from? Well, this song... Uh, Where were you when you first heard it? Can I stop it? It's hard for me to think when turn it's Turn it down playing. a little yeah. bit more, yeah. Just turn it down a few. She's so into yeah. it. So it's hard for me. It's actually hard for me. I can't... Um, I can't write or uh, do things when music's on if the if the, there's lyrics. I my brain can't separate. Oh, you're the connecting two. to I, it one hundred. I so get into yeah, so into understood. music. It's really difficult understood. for me. Yeah. So this song, uh, so Public Enemy. So I grew up. I moved to New York City in 1985, which is right at kind of the tail end of like the punk scene, but also the the birth of hip hop. Uh, and I went to New York City Public High School for three years uh, before I went away to Interlochen. Um, and I was introduced to the New York City nightlife. Um, so by the time that I could see over a bar, I was at nightclubs. Um, and so I was very much ensconced into uh, the New York City hip hop scene of the time of the late 80s and early 90s, Palladium. helping promote clubs. Oh my God, the you know, <laughs> Tunnel, uh, MK, Carmelitas. I work the door at Nell's. Like, I mean, oh. yeah. So I mean, like I, so many friends, you know, some of my dearest friends are some of the biggest DJs from that time. Um, and this song, um, if you saw the movie, uh, Do the Right Thing, uh, this song is the opening credits with Rosie Perez just hauling ass. Like, she's dancing, and the close-ups, and then the, the, the lighting. I mean, it's just one of the most responsible moments uh, in, uh, in movie-making by Spike Lee. Um, and it made a huge impact on me. Um, not only just as somebody who... You know, I'm a dancer. I can dance well. Like, I had so much, you know, I mean, I just really identified with this music and dancing to it at nightclubs. However, also as a filmmaker, it just, it, you know, the, my brain was dripping out of my ears. Like, so beautiful. Such incredible storytelling. Uh, you know, just all of the above. Um, and what's interesting about this is that I feel like the reason why some music is so good is because the listener feels like it's written for them. I mean, yeah. Um, and so I feel like this song is universal. You know, Fight the Power. I feel like this song is still relevant today. You know, we have a we have um, a president that, you know, has deep-seated racist issues. This song is just as relevant today in 2016 as it was in 1989 when it's it came out. It's great art. It's great art. Now, if you could, uh, what struck me was that uh, you, you, you mentioned that uh, great music can be defined by the listener's unique relationship yeah. to it. It's, it's about me. In going back in time when, when this music was introduced to you, mm -hmm. like specifically, mm -hmm. what was your day-to-day? -day? Who were you living with? What was your favorite restaurant? What was your best friend's name? What was your life like when you first heard this song? So in 1989, I was graduating high school. 
Uh, and I had spent a year at the Interlochen Arts Academy, and that it, Interlochen Arts Academy is it's also a summer camp uh, during the year. Uh, in the, in the summers, and so I was dancing like eight hours. Who was a day. your best friend at Interlochen? I would have to say my best friend was Kristen Sombrack, who's Why? a brilliant <laughs> artist and fantastic human, uh, and she's now a producer in Canada. Lovely, lovely, lovely person. Oop, let me pause this so we don't go into the next song. Um, and uh, and my day to day life. So I had I had I had left Interlochen and I got into Juilliard, which is a really big deal. They only accept like eighteen people a year, and I was just like, I've arrived. You know what I mean? I guess, like yeah. this is it. Um, however, I've always had, uh, unfortunately, a very prominent dark side. Um, and this was also the beginning of like, in addition to being like out at night, you know, I was also you know engaging in activity that probably wasn't the best thing for me at the time. I'm I'm sober like 22 years. 19. Uh, I got 19. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, I got yeah. sober in 1994. Yeah. So in 89, 90, 91, 92, this was really the height of just a tremendous amount of drinking. Um The height of your bottom. Yeah, the height of it. And here's the thing, you know, and, and this is what's this is what's, you know, Drugs and alcohol worked for me. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun. And that was going on for you when you first heard this song? Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like this was during this time, which was that like, so I was really torn. So I had gotten into this very prestigious school that wanted me there at eight o'clock in the morning doing pirouettes and, yeah, yeah. you know, adagios across the floor. However, the nightlife in New York City during this time was it's unsurpassed. Now, I know that in, in certain recovery circles, uh, there is a, a sort of therapeutic value to kind of revisit stories. Mm-hmm. And, and in the media, there's also sort of a salacious, uh, you know, opportunity to, you know, get some sort of a, a, a footnote in history as mm-hmm. to what's going on. If you're comfortable, mm-hmm. would you be willing to share like like a, a moment in time that, that today you recognize that was evidence that I was way over. I mean, is that something you're comfortable doing? Yeah, so, um, like, kind of like the moment when I realized that I needed help? I mean, or... I'm just, I guess what I'm thinking about is, uh, if a 16-year-old young woman were listening to this show right oh, now, what, okay. was, what was it like for you? What, 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 what does that mean when you say, I was living in New York, I was experiencing great success at Juilliard, yet I was fully engaged in alcohol and other drug abuse. Yeah. I mean, how can you sort of paint a picture by just, in a way that I suppose I, I do when I share at the podium and, and meetings. Yeah. I, I, I talk specifically and, you know, sometimes about what's going on. But to, to convey that information to a guy, like, this is what it was like for me. I got up, I went here, and I did this, and then this happened, and then that. Yeah. I feel like... Um... I felt that I had an inability to understand what I had been given. Mm. I felt that by this, you know, getting this incredible gift to be a part of this incredibly prestigious school at Lincoln Center, I had no idea what it meant. And I didn't have a connection to my own body and my own space to understand that like it was me that was doing it I was so disconnected I didn't feel like I belonged there I didn't feel like I earned it I didn't feel like any of that stuff um so 
I felt like, and here's the thing, what was, it, it's almost like, mm, by being out at night, I was getting a tremendous amount of validation. So by being out at night, ah. you know, red ropes would part for me and they'd, they'd, they'd call me in. Do you know what I mean? Like I would get on, oh, they'd yeah. be like, you, you, cut, cut. Like they, I would get waved in. Validation, 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 validation. As a woman at Juilliard, I was one of 18 people that they were like, prove to us that you're good. I had no self-worth. Right. Even though the evidence was in, you're good. You're really good at what you fucking do. I did not have a connection to that. I also was not surrounded by family or uh, that was able to say like, hey, you understand what this means. Like, do you understand? Like, let's slow down for a second and have a talk about this. Like, this is actually really important. And then I also noticed that when nobody also noticed when I left Juilliard and they didn't nobody was like you know you just kind of like flush that down the toilet right like mm. now I did leave Ju- now at, while I was at Juilliard my roommate was Amy Rydell who is Mark Rydell's daughter he directed The Rose and on Golden Pond and for the boys Ooh. her mom was Spock's mother on Star Trek so she's from this like Hollywood royalty and she had left Juilliard and she was like I'm gonna go be an actress and I was like me too because she was Stella Adler's goddaughter Jeez. so yeah, oh no, royalty, Hollywood royalty. Yeah. And she's also great, an amazing person. And then I went, and then I left Juilliard and then also went to Stella Adler as well. Mm. Um, but I did a year of it. I still couldn't get clean. And then after I got clean, I went back to Stella Adler again. And then I did the two year conservatory there. Would I be on the mark uh, by sort of suggesting my, my what I'm getting from, from your first song, Fight the Power? Yeah. Certainly, uh, Public Enemy had a platform in which that song was created. Yeah, they was specific to them. Your personal connection had its own unique platform that, unbeknownst to you at the time, you were fighting a power within. Yes, I mean, I feel like I think also too the thing about hip hop is that like it really taps into like a primal beat inside of us, um, and primal feelings. I do feel like, and this is why I call my show Wild Animal, so I'm working on an hour of comedy called Wild Animal, and the the reason why is I feel like we are wild animals, and I feel like we don't need to kill anymore, but we still want to kill, and I feel like the like beats of drums like th- these things like they tap into something inside of us that make us feel like wild right so it leads to sex it leads to other things and if and, and if not you know uh handled well yeah it, it, addiction is good intentions gone too far right so this this beat of making you want to just be like out there and doing it and whatever and like it like it went too far for me personally but this is why i think people get into trouble it's cuz they don't understand that they have a wild animal inside of them Dare I say, yeah, boy. Yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Flava, I'm just really Flav. not funny, am I? Flava, Flav. Stop it! You are funny. Okay, totally right. funny. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, comedians. Beautiful. Yeah. Shall, shall we? Yes. Okay. Next. Next. Fight the power. That fight was number power. one. Was fight good. the power. I feel like we were sitting on a big couch here. Mm. Hey, you. Don't make it bad. I can't. What, what's up? What's Melanie? What's going on here? 
Okay, so I'm totally going to cry. <laughs> Please do. I am too. So uh, that's Hey Jude uh, by the Beatles. Uh, if you have been under a rock for 60 years and don't I know that song, um, I walked down the aisle to that song. Oh, Aww. tears, 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 tears. This is the why of the um, tune. My your, wife. Your wife. Okay. So uh, we've been together for five years. We've been married for two. And uh, what's her name? Erin. She's Aaron, Yeah, she's ah, oh, Erin Detroit Vesey. How did you meet? Okay, we met in AA. Oh, and um, on campus. Oh, totally. <laughs> oh no, I shit where I eat. Let me tell you. <laughs> I um, wouldn't fish in that pond. <laughs> yeah, totally. These are I, AA I've slogans. been fishing in that pond for twenty years. <laughs> oh, Thank I've you very some much. Winners. So, but here's the thing. Um, and the reason why I I I put this in here is because I I I have a lot of pain around relationships and a lot of failed relationships and by the time I met Aaron I'd already been engaged twice and I was just like I'm not a closer like that was just like my deal and I'd already had a child and um I came out when I was 26 and uh a lot of really painful relationships and you know I mean You've heard this in my comedy. One of my girlfriends shot me and... Uh, wait, wait, I didn't hear this. I have not seen your comedy act. Just, <laughs> if you could just take a quick left turn and repeat what you just said. I so. know. It really does It really does derail everybody. So um, my my first girlfriend was a New York City police officer. Uh, oh, oh, that explains it. Sure. That's fine, yeah. Who... Um, fight the power uh who um i broke up with her because she became an undercover narcotics officer uh and at the time my career as an actress was skyrocketing and i and she was disappearing into the shadows and i was sober i was trying to maintain my recovery and she was buying and selling drugs for rudy giuliani and i was like you're a drug dealer you're being paid by the freaking state of new york city to be a drug dealer like wow and i could not get right with it i was like wait a minute she's like, what do you mean by that? She was in some sort of a, a clandestine sort of role? No, a narcotics officer Yeah. Uh, blends into, you know, yeah. okay. And they would buy and sell drugs all day long to try and infiltrate whoever these dealers Sting were. Sting operations. Yes, of course. I gotcha, okay. So, you know, if somebody put a gun to her head and was like, sniff this bag of heroin, what is she going to do? Be like, she's going to sniff a bag of heroin. And she was trying to be sober as well. Wow. Jeez. And I... Was this was just too much for me, and I was like, uh, and meanwhile, my career. How old were you at the time? I was twenty six, twenty seven. Oh, okay. Uh, and I my career at the time was skyrocketing. Like, so I'd become an actress, and I was co-starring with Jim Carrey. And that's what I want to know. Talk about the skyrocket, <laughs> just real quick. Blend that so in. So I, I, I tr- you're, you're, you were doing what in your career? So I, I tr- so like I said, I left Juilliard and I went to Stella Adler, and because I was newly sober. The just the sleep was out of my eyes, and I was so d- driven. And but you did some with Jim Carrey. Yeah, so I left Stella Adler, and I immediately got an agent, and I started auditioning right away. And so I was I played Andy Kaufman's sister in Man on the Moon. Oh, I, wow. that's so I, I didn't know that. That's me. Oh my! Let me get a picture. Let me get a picture. <laughs> so that's me. So I got to work with Milos Forman, two-time Academy Award-winning director. I got to work with Courtney Love, Bob Zamuda. I mean, all of the cast from Taxi. Like, talk about like dream come true time. So that was happening. I was also at the time on Broadway. In what? 
in a, in a play called If Memory Serves. With I don't a, remember it. Elizabeth Ashley. I'm uh, Memory, don't remember. Sam, <laughs> hilarious. Sam Trammell from, uh, what is he in? Uh, Vampire. Oh, I can't remember what he's in. Sam Trammell. Uh, and then also... Um, I had national commercials running. So essentially like... And and dating a New York City narcotics well, undercover I had, agent. I, broke it, I had broken up with her okay. because I was just totally like, I'm doing red carpets and I'm being yeah. photographed. And meanwhile, she's having to like hide who she is because she's dealing with the underbelly of life. And then she came up and shot you. No. How did that happen? I broke up with her <laughs> and a year later... Okay. She called me out of the blue. Meet me at the OK Corral. No, she never was... responded to that <laughs> invitation. <laughs> I, she called me out of the blue. She'd been drinking and she was drunk, Always and she helpful. was coming from Henrietta Hudson's, which is a very famous New York City lesbian bar. Mm-hmm. She goes, "I'm driving by your house, and I'm thinking about you." And I'm thinking about doing a drive-by. And I said, "That's so weird because I have this moving violation ticket." And I was like, "Will you come take a look at it?" So I had a reason to see her as well. Well, sure. And here's the thing, like sometimes you just have tea with your ex-girlfriend. You know sometimes, what I mean? Like I get sometimes it. yes. it's like it's totally cuz people are like but what me, were you doing with her? I was like I was having tea. Like calm down. Wait like, a minute. Whenever I want to have tea with any of my exes, I also want to fuck them. Well, well no, I did not want to fuck her. I seriously? was I oh, 100%. Okay. I had because she wasn't you my type. Have tea? She wasn't my type, and my next girlfriend, which I'll get into later, she was totally my type, and I really realized that I was kind of like on the wrong path as far as like my aesthetics, as far as women I I so rarely get a chance to talk with a person who's been shot, so she's on her way over. So then we're outside having tea, and we're talking, and I'm having some throat coat tea. Now, you have to understand, it's 6.30 at night, it's August 31st, it's totally daylight out, there's people everywhere, it's New York City, we're sitting outside of a cafe, our backs are literally leaning against the glass in the cafe. And she's a plain clothes officer, so she's in her plain clothes. And there was one of those um, those those bikes that goes like, Ree! you know, those little like they're little kind of like power scooter, like a Vespa, almost, like like no, like a, like a, a skateboard sk- with like a like a, oh, mo- yeah. a motor yeah, on it, yeah, like Ree! no, yeah. not a Segway, but like Ree! like a gas powered one, like super okay. loud. So and we're trying bike. to talk. So every five seconds, me, me, and I was like, that is so annoying. I, and I made a joke. I go, where's your gun? Because she always <gasps> had her gun on her. So she pulls out her gun and she's looking at me, and I'm all like something's wrong and I'm all like you you need to put that away and she said don't worry it's safe and then she aimed the gun at me and pulled the trigger jeez like did you know you were shot right away no she pulled the trigger because she was sitting next to me so we were looking at each other like this and she had the gun in her lap like this because she wasn't like that like arm out she had her gun in the lap her lap like this and she pulled the trigger and I was like I heard the sound go off where did it get you it went through my leg and so then at that I I opened my eyes for one second I saw that I had like two bloody holes on either side of my leg and then I fell to the ground and then it was, if you have to remember, it, we were outside and it's daylight and people were screaming yeah. and it was a 38, police issue 38. So narcotics officers use 38s because the guns are traditionally very loud um, and they create a ruckus, which means other people can find them and other people scatter. So do you know what I mean? Like the cops can find them because it's so loud and then people scatter and they get out of the fucking way because it's not quiet. They're like, what the fuck? You know? So then I'm laying on the ground and, you know, um, and then uh, there was concern that she had hit the artery that's on the inside of my leg. Um, And then the cops came and 
they said, who shot you? And I said, I don't know, because I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. I didn't have any reference on how to deal with being shot. And then they said, well, the cop was like, I'm standing out here with a bunch of people, Melanie. You have to fucking tell me. Like, did this come from a rooftop, from a car? Like, where did this come from? And I opened my, I had my eyes closed the entire time because I didn't want to see what was happening. And I opened my eyes for one second. I saw that it was like super brassed out, like sergeant guy, like just gold all over everything. And I was like, oh, this guy's fucking in charge. And I opened my eyes for one second and I go... I don't want to tell you. He goes, Melanie, you have, like, what the, like, he's, like, yelling at me. And I said, I'm afraid to tell you. And he knew he had an in. And he goes, Melanie, I know you know who shot you, and you're afraid to tell me. But I'm going to find out, Melanie. I'm going to find out. And I said, that's my ex-girlfriend. She's a cop, and she shot me. So I just outed her. Wow. And they took me to Bellevue Hospital. And this is important, because I met her in the emergency room at Bellevue Hospital. Weird. It took me to the exact place that I had actually met her. What the fuck, Melanie? This is why I believe that there is a higher power and a God and a plan. And I, this is why I believe that the choreography of that transaction was so bizarre and so crazy. Um, because I had left my boyfriend to be with her because I met her. My other ex-boyfriend was have, was overdosing on cocaine, and the only thing in my in his wallet was my phone number, and I and they called me. They were like, "You have to come identify him. He's alive, but he's in trouble. He held a hostage on a cocaine binge. You have to come get him." And I was like, "Okay." So I went up there, and she was the cop on his case, Whoa. and the feeling that I got, and I was a total straight girl. I did not know I was gay, and the feeling that I got when I saw her, like to me, was I I thought that I was, I thought I was being introduced to the love of my life. I thought I was that being- moment. St- yeah, I thought that that-, that, I thought that moment. That's what I thought it was. I now understand that moment of feeling like this is love at first sight. I now understand that feeling to be death. That feeling is death for me. If I get that feeling, and I meet people, all, not, not all the time, but sometimes, where I'm like, oh, I, my heart is pounding and I feel the fucking hair on my neck. Yeah. I used to think that that meant that I wanted to be with them. And now I see it as like, it means they're dangerous. If you're listening and have goose pimples, that's totally normal right now. <laughs> right? Pimples. I've got bumps. Yeah. Oh, goose bumps. So yeah. now you're happily married. So now I'm happily hey, married. Jude. So hey, Jude. So we got, we got kind of off the top. Because I, I can never drop the like, hey, I got shot story. Oh, yeah, hell no, you can't. So I had given up on, I had given up on relationships. I'd been shot. My next girlfriend was this supermodel who like, you know, left me and, you know, just not supermodel. She was a model, pretty famous model. And, you know, totally dragged me through the mud. Then I decided that I women were terrible. So I went back to men and I instantly got <laughs> pregnant and I had my son and my baby daddy uh, went on Project Runway and won and, oh. and, you know, just stuff like that. And then, you know, I was just constantly being reintroduced to the fact that I don't know how to live. I don't know how to be in relationships. I have a terrible picker. So I went back to women and then I had a couple more terrible transactions with women. And I had a visceral moment where I said, I'm giving up on women. I'm giving up on relationships. I'm just going to be the older lady that has a lot of lovers. I was, I mean, I seriously had the moment. I was like, that's it. I'm done. I'm almost 40. I'm just going to have a lot of hot lovers and that's going to be it. And then you met. And then I saw my wife and she was kind of like first on the list. Here we go. We'll start with her. This will be a fling. 
see, and it just goes to show we never know, never give up, and and uh, yeah, it, it, that's that's great, Melanie. You know that guests return and return and return to this show because oh. you, you've got tons of music. Okay, and, and and we have to keep moving. Well, we we do have to hear the next song. Okay, you ready? I mean, you've given us way. Oh my God, I want to keep you here for three hours. Let's go. Let's okay, do the next. Here's one. the next one. Oh, it's it's doing it here. Let's do this one. I'm not familiar with this particular song. Enlighten us. This is so three. this is this is called Mind. Um, I'm a huge Talking Heads fan, just massively huge. And I didn't want to be like, here's Psycho Killer for the eight millionth time in your life. Um, <laughs> you know, or like, you know, this must be the place. Womp, womp, Can you please womp. stop making sense. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, <laughs> kind of like, womp, womp. Um, so I chose this song because I feel like the song is very relevant um, to everything in my life, which is that I feel like I've pretty much spent most of my life trying to change people's minds. So, and this song is called Mind, and he's like, you know, time won't change you, money won't change you, drugs won't change you, I need something to change your mind. Um, and so I feel like, I feel like I've been misunderstood my whole life. I feel like, especially by my immediate family, like I just feel like they don't get it or they don't get me or they don't understand the kind of relationship I want to have with them. Like they don't get it. I feel like I've constantly been in relationships with people who don't understand how to be in a relationship. Like I feel like I'm constantly trying to like change the people that are standing in front of me. And I also feel like, too, with the current situation with our election, I feel like everybody's on Facebook trying to change everybody's mind. See it the way that I see it. Your idea is wrong. My idea is right. I want to change your mind with this hashtag, with this post, with this thing, you know, (laughs) da da da, whatever it is. And I feel like that's where pain comes in. And I feel like what I've learned is that I want you to be and to think exactly the way that you want to be and think. And then I get to choose whether or not I agree with that or I accept that. And then by... Dis- but you don't think you did that before? Like you said you you tried to change people your whole life? Yeah, no, I think I stayed with them way longer than I needed to. I think I still have expectations of friends and family where it's like, why can't you just dot, 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 you know, have a relationship with me the way that I want you to have a relationship with me? Why can't you do what I want you to do? And I feel like it's in letting go of that concept and idea that it's what brings me peace. You know what I mean? Like I have let go, like tattooed on my wrists. Yeah. But it doesn't work. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, I have tattoos everywhere, but, you know, I mean, I'm kind of like memento with like, you know, all of my Uh, messages to myself. uh, uh, But like, I feel like internally I had to let go of trying to change the people around me and that what I needed to do was accept them exactly the way that they were with no changes. And then I needed to decide whether or not I wanted to continue down that path with them. Right. We have this thing we do called like Y-Tune Shuffle Connection. Uh Uh-huh. And it's a completely sort of, you know, different talking heads. But I won my first lip sync contest doing David Byrne once in a lifetime. 
brought down the house. Those that was during the Madonna oh. days. Yeah. In the big white suit with yes. the Yes. See, yeah. my dad was a huge um, Talking Heads fan, and my dad was very instrumental for me for all of the music and movies that I love so much in my life. And he has since passed on, but, you know, David Byrne was his, like, all-time favorite. Huge, life during wartime since the huge, election has been my rallying cry. I mean, essentially, like, you know, I can have, you know... Put you know on a you know a Talking Heads album. It's kind of like a like a like a blanket for me. Like it makes me feel so good. How about drugs? Do you know the song Drugs? Zoom. Boom, yeah, do, yeah, yeah, yeah. All do, of that. I mean, even even his yeah. like even his like collaboration with Brian Eno and My oh. Life in the Bush of Ghosts oh. and all of that stuff. Like, really, really. What'd your dad do for a living? He was a photographer. Really, mm-hmm. from New York. Or- yep. He we lived in a loft in New York City and <sighs> in Soho, and his studio was right outside my bedroom. And uh, David Vesey, David, David Vesey. And um, he was- Is Vesey an Italian name? No, it's like Polish or something. I think it's like an Ellis Island situation. It got shortened. Um, But he was a brilliant genius. Not, um, not- not the best dad. Really not like not not total dad material that guy. We're going to have a Father's Day special. Yeah. <laughs> um but he did deliver to me uh some of the most important stuff to me which is all the movies that I love and all the music that I love. Isn't that something? Yeah, I mean it's it's again your your life is a silver lining and your music is I mean, we, we've got Fight the Power, Hey Jude, <laughs> Mind from Talking Heads. Yeah. Blow us, blow us for, again, our minds. Let's see what the next Don't one blow is. Blow us, blow our minds. Oh, it's, no, we already did that one. God, I'm just really we did that one. milk today. Aren't we? <laughs> with the comedy. So this is, uh, this is called Asking For It by Hole. Didn't you say you worked with Courtney Love too? I've got a story. Let's hear that story. So that opening line where she goes, uh, every time I sell myself to you, I feel a little bit cheaper than I need to, is kind of like an anthem whenever I catch myself. Like the mind song that I just shared with you where it's like I'm trying to like change someone's mind. Like I'm trying to be like, I'm great. You love me. Or this is awesome. Like we're good. You know what I mean? I'm all like, ah. Like you are selling yourself. And if they don't fucking get it, you got to move on.org. You know what I mean? So... Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, and this album specifically, so I came out when I was 26, and like I said, I was with the cop. The cop hadn't shot me yet, but my next girlfriend, uh, there was this magic around meeting her, and she was literally everything that I had ever wanted from a child, but didn't know. Because I came out pretty late. You know, I came out at 26. I didn't know that I was gay, or maybe I'm just gay by trauma. Just Aww, yeah. 60 men that blew it. And yeah. then, um, uh, and so, um, and this, th- especially this album, because Courtney is so like, just the rasp in her fucking voice. And she's just like, yes, like, do get what you want, you know, be what you want. You know what I mean? Like, it just was so empowering. Does Courtney deserve the bad rap she gets in the media? Yes. So then, um, <laughs> thank you. So, and here's the thing. So anyway, so in finding out that I'd gotten the part in Man on the Moon, I found out that Courtney Love was going to be playing Andy Kaufman's girlfriend in the movie. Mm-hmm. And this album was on my turntable, like around the fucking clock. So you were a fan before. I was a epic. 
epic fan. I was like, holy shit. Like, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be so great. Courtney and I are going to be BFFs. She's going to give me leather pants she doesn't wear anymore. Me and Frances <laughs> Bean are going to be hanging out. Like, this, like I had, I had woven such an incredible s- story of BFF miss, BFF ness, yes. you know yes. what I mean? And I was like, I, I can't wait. I'm ready. <laughs> I get to set. This is, and we shot the movie, obviously not in chronological order because movies aren't shot, shot that way all the time. And what we were shooting was Andy's funeral first. So we were shot, shooting out here in LA and we were shooting, I can't remember what cemetery we were in because I wasn't familiar with LA at the time. But so I was in this like empty church and there was Andy in a coffin. It was a dummy in a coffin sitting in front of me. And I was playing his sister. So I was, you know, sitting in this empty room with all of these flowers and pews and things. And Courtney Love walks in and she sits down right next to me, like ass touching next to me. And I'm like, here she is. It's happening now. Like, me and Courtney. And uh, and she's, the way she sat down was like this, like with her back to me. But like weird, in a movie, like sitting down next to me. There's 50 other fucking pews that she could have fucking sat in. Yeah. Weird. Uh-huh. Milos comes in, and I'm trying to be like, trying to be like, hey, like I was trying to like get her attention so I could be like, I- I- I'm Melanie, like your new best friend. And she just gave me her fucking back. Like, and she was just fucking like doing her own thing in her purse or whatever. And I was like, okay, this is weird. I was trying not to be, and I, she's also super famous. So I didn't want to be like, hi, I'm a fan. Like we were equals. I didn't want to be that either, you know? So Milos comes in and he was like, and because Jim Carrey was in character the entire time during the movie, we had to be in character as well. So I was being introduced as my name in the movie, and so was she. Uh, and so Milos comes out, he goes, oh, okay, good, you guys are here. Lynn, this is Carol, Carol, this is Lynn. So I was Carol, she was Lynn. And she looked at me with her eyes closed and went like this, like that, like I wish your listeners could see. So like kind of like- Smushy face. Like, smushy face no, kind of like- just made looked like her. Like yeah. just that kind of like, really, like, like, yeah. like whatever. Like I don't have to fucking be nice to you. I don't know who you are. Like, like this, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. And then we proceeded to shoot the funeral scene. And every time we ha- he yelled cut, she would get up and walk out. So they had to find her every single time in between every take. Where, where is she going? Getting up, leaving, coming back. Real yeah. phonetic energy, real phonetic energy, real crazy, crazy, crazy. And at some point, I then had a little bit of an epiphany and I was like, oh, this is someone who actually buried their own husband just a few years before. And I was like, wow, maybe this is painful for her. Maybe she's having a hard time sitting there tapping into what it must feel like to lose the love of your life in a coffin. And I was like, maybe this is hard for her. Mm. So I tried to stretch myself out a little bit more um, and to understand why she was acting so crazy. And then we shot... uh, exteriors at Carnegie Hall because there were famous scenes where Andy Kaufman brought everybody for cookies and milk at Carnegie Hall and all of this stuff. And she was so, like, her energy, whether she was on drugs or whether that's just the way she is, she was just crazy. Like, you could just feel the cray coming off of her. And this is kind of, and Carnegie Hall, I mean, that's like church for Mm -hmm. me. Yeah. And she put her cigarettes out in the carpeting. At Carnegie Hall. Oh my God. And she alienated me from the rest of the cast. She wouldn't speak to me. She wouldn't acknowledge me. She wouldn't talk to me. Um, she just 
wouldn't engage. Interesting. And I and I wanted her to so bad. Like yeah. I just was like, you know, I have you ever seen her spoke to her since? No, 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 no. And I don't think she would ever be able to like, you know, uh, you know, spot me in a well, lineup. I don't want to put you on the spot, Melanie, but coming into the studio. Yeah, right it's Courtney Love. Yeah. I'd be Come more than, no. I'd be more than willing to talk to her about it. You know yeah, what I, I mean? Um but wow. it was really like it was one of those things too where they say don't meet your idols, you know what I mean? Because yeah. you will be disappointed. And that is absolutely the truth. We are taking notes. We are preparing for segment two now we're going into i'm not kidding uh we're going into your fifth and final song uh so uh i'm actually going okay i'm gonna okay i'll do this one so yes we've had this one before on white tunes this is a this is a a, a double shot white tunes you did this for you? Yeah. And we each had a story behind this. Can't wait to hear yours. So, for me, I heard this song. I was probably like 11 years old, living in Michigan. And uh, and for me, the song is touching because I like low notes in the song that like, like I like low notes and the beat with it is really fucking awesome for me it was the visuals it was her sitting in a suit with a neon orange buzz cut on a conference table with a writing crop that to me I literally like if I had to like shoot that like as a filmmaker where it's like just the slow push in of like just someone just like a gape you know what I mean like (laughs) what the fuck I didn't know that I wanted to be that until that moment, but I was like, I that is me. I want to be that. Yeah. But I was living in Michigan, uh, you know, no one else was like poor that. Yeah. and just surrounded by women who fucking didn't wear bras to the grocery store. Like just do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like just a lack of fashion and glamour, mm-hmm. a lack of mm-hmm. uh of strong women in my, no, that's not true. My mom is a strong woman, but like not strong like this, yeah. not like I, I don't fucking need you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Also, she was very butch in this, which is what I like. I like butchy girls, you know, uh, women, you know, my wife is very butch. Um, I like women that look like men. That is my jam. I like, I do too. Actually. I like, well, they're strong, yeah. badass. I, yeah. It's hot. And yeah, I, 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 definitely masculine women. Yeah. Is that appropriate to say masculine? Absolutely. I think I it's fine. I am very attracted to masculine I women. I think yeah. it's very like, I like a blurred gender line. Yeah, I like it yeah. when men dress up like women and I like it when me- women look like men. I like all of it. You know, it makes me super happy. Can we officially invite Melanie into the family of iTunes? <laughs> I mean, this is, you are so, gra- this is great. I mean, thank you. Yeah, this is, you're the energy oh, we thank you. crave. Wow. So this was really like, and I remember I had waist length hair and I was like, I want to cut off all my hair. And this was what I had in mind. My mom took me to the hair salon and I was like, but I could not articulate that I want a, a bright orange haircut. <laughs> yes. And and they so they gave me like a Dorothy Hamill haircut. You know what Aww. I mean? Like just <laughs> pathetic. Oh, you're so and again, once again, like just not being able to get what I wanted. You know what I mean? Mm. Like so close. And I remember being like, oh well, I. And then while she was cutting my hair, I was like, oh, I, I want Annie Lennox's hair. And she just looked at me at the hair salon. She was like, oh, honey, you don't want that. And that was kind of like, uh, that would be a theme for like years. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like, that, no, I, wow. I do know what I want. And what I want is 
I want I like things that are rare and which I think which is why I like women that look a certain way because it's rare. I like things that are special and I like things that are different. I don't want to be mediocre. I don't want my hair to look like Dorothy Hamill. I don't want any of that. So I feel like yeah, so that really like it really changed everything for me. That was really the moment that was kind of like the tipping point for me to be like that's not only who I want to be but who I am in love with yeah. also at the same time. Should we do first concert? Yes. My what first was, concert? What was your first concert? Oh, it was Sinead O'Connor. <laughs> nice. Great. Where was it? In Michigan. I feel like that's very lackluster. I feel no, like. It's no, it's not. Sinead O'Connor? Are you kidding me? I feel like, because at the time I was like, this is my first concert, Sinead O'Connor. Now, I love me some Sinead O'Connor. Like, Nothing Compares to You is of one of the most moving uh, and important. Uh, you know. Did she do My Name is Luca? No, that's Suzanne Vega. <laughs> I always get them wrong. Oh, really? I'm, no, I'm Suzanne like... Vega is like, you know, a Williamsburg art project. Like, she's kind of like super quiet. And Sinead O'Connor is like, I will rip up a picture of the I, Pope I'm so, on I'm, SNL. I'm the, I'm the worst to do a show about music because I love it desperately, but I'm not. You not get confused like by some of it? talking sports with my guy friends. I don't right. know any players. Stats, right, 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 right. Anyway. There's certain pockets where I'm yeah. totally like, I so don't know what that where was is. The, where was the venue in Michigan? I can't remember. Yeah, it was in, in Michigan and I, was, I went with a... Uh, my friend Andrea still, who unfortunately has passed on. 2016 hates us. Mm-hmm. Wow. 2016. So she was, she's my age, 45, and she was on a trip with her wife, and she was had a, uh, what they thought was just a cold, and she went to the emergency room, and she came home, and they ordered coffee from room service, and then she just died. Wow. I know. Can you imagine? Like, I just, like, my age, like a, a friend. I've lost a few. You know, I'm There's, but this this yeah. this year has really been like it has, hasn't it? Has really been um, really. Uh, Was it John Oliver that did the whole skit about "fuck you"? Twenty. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, yes. totally. It was pretty great. Been, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's been a it's been a been a year. Lost a lot of friends, and I feel like I feel like we're at some sort of weird bottom. Like I feel like we're at some sort of emotional, physical, spiritual bottom. Um, that I feel like, and I, and this is why, like when I did my trolling post for my promotional rescue motivational Monday thing on a Monday, I feel like out of really troubling times comes great art. Yes. And I feel like, you know, Vietnam happened in the early seventies and by the end of the seventies is some of the most responsible and important movie and music making 1977 when it comes to movies and music like if you ever just want to learn anything just listen to everything that was made in 1977 every album that came out and every movie that came out and you will be educated on how fabulous that is and if I hope that's what I hope I'm holding the space for that that some incredible art comes out of these troubling times our last uh, our, 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 one of the things we do is called random shot where you just hit shuffle and see whatever song comes up so based on every Everything you've shared, based on anything, just hit shuffle and see what song. Let's see. Just okay. Well, to let's see. Let's see. Just it, it could be. It could be really bizarro. I've got a lot of weird. We stuff never know on what's going to happen with random shot. Go ahead. So, oops. Wait. Let me see if I. I don't know how to do this. So let's just do songs. Now that's bringing us up. Let me tell you how it will see, you just did. You just told us how it will be. That's random shots on iTunes Shuffle. Out of nowhere. The Beatles once again. Melanie Vesey. 
Thank you so much. Oh, no. Thank you, you guys. This was super fun. You guys are the best. Where can we find you on the deep, dark corners of the internet? You can find me at MelanieVessi.com. I perform every Sunday night at the Comedy Store, Candy at the Comedy Store. Uh, I perform regularly, and you can see all of my films, uh, all of the music videos I've directed and the films that I've directed at MelanieVessi.com. You can see my comedy there as well. And pretty much at MelanieVessi anywhere. Twitter, Instagram. Facebook. Why tune shuffle? Thank you. Let's be fun. This has been amazing. Thank you, you guys. You guys are the best.